Conditions are perfect for recording this episode. We have some Airbnb guests staying with us from Australia for lovely ladies, and they're all giggling away in our kitchen and living room. We have two lounges at our house, so we're lucky. I have some dogs panting close by who are tuckered out for the day. I have a clock that's ticking really loudly. And I just think, you know what? We're just going to do this. This is untapped. We're tapping into our potential right now by taking action. One way I did that this week, aside from turning up for all my triathlon workouts, despite (laughs) feeling it this week big time, is that I finally recorded a vlog. Now, for those of you listening who have dabbled with blogging, which is essentially video blogging, you probably know how freaking hard it is to turn up in front of the camera, have something valuable to say, to put yourself out there, to consider what angle you want, how you're going to stand out in the sea of other super talented bloggers who do crazy, amazing effects with their cameras. Seriously, I watch these people, most of them are half my age, and you know they make a living from blogging. They turn up two or three times a week or more. They put themselves out there completely. Every personal detail of their life is on show. And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. It's not the kind of vlogging I want to do. However, I super appreciate their consistency and their ability to show up and turn up and deliver because content creation is probably one of the hardest things to do consistently with real value, with real purpose and energy. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes money. I have been toggling, that's right, my favorite time tracking tool, Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, and it's free, shows me that I spent at least five hours on episode two, which was all about untapped and what this podcast is all about. So listen to that at nataliesisson.com forward slash 002 if you want to tune in to that episode and the reason behind this being. And uh, yeah, it took five hours to not just record it, but also to turn the transcript into the blog post, the full length blog post to figure out all the social because this year I'm using Canva for all my graphics. So I'm learning how to use it. It's an awesome tool. I used to use PicMonkey, but I am really going back to being a student of everything. So I want to do everything myself, learn everything myself, learn the art, and then systemize it. Uh, been using later to be able to do all this social media posting to multiple sites, repurpose all sorts of content. And I've been using Headliner app. Big shout out to my friend Osman Sharif for that, which turns audio snippets into videos, into sound bites, into cool Instagram posts. So you're going to be seeing all that coming through untapped podcasts, through my blog, and even through the vlog. But man, it was like five hours of the creation, the editing, the producing and the marketing for one episode. So know that when you are thinking about your content strategy, if that's part of your business, of your career, of your purpose in this lifetime, know that there's just so much more to it than you ever think. But there is so much value in just turning up and making a beginning. So the reason I went on that little escapade there is that I shot my first vlog on Friday afternoon. You'll probably see it. I will link to it in this episode, which is episode four of the Untapped podcast, where we're here to look at how we can live up to our potential. And it wasn't pretty and I was really tired and I look tired, but I was like, you know what? If I don't get the camera out of my goddamn drawer and just turn it on and record and ship and then make micro improvements every single week, then I am not tapping in 
to my true potential. So, welcome. In this episode of Untapped, I want to help you to do something that you've been putting off, like a vlog, like a blog post, like writing a book chapter, like launching a website, like going on your first run, like going out on your first or 15th date or whatever it may be. And I want you to just go ahead and ship it and do it. And wow, could that fly be any more annoying and close to me? I think not. So we'll move on. And how I thought I might just help you consider how you're going to ship things, how you're going to show up, how you're going to tap into your true potential is to ask you and myself a series of questions. Now, I actually came across this on a life hack article from a couple of years ago, and it caught my attention because it was called 10 Questions That Will Unlock Your Potential. And I thought, oh, how appropriate given we have this untapped podcast. So I'm going to ask you these questions and answer them as I go through this podcast, because I think they're really, really useful to know. And they're probably going to set the stage for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to be diving into all sorts of areas where I truly want to live up to my potential and go beyond when we talk about finances, around relationships, around lifestyle, around health and fitness, around business tactics, so much good stuff we're going to cover. But first of all, I love this exercise and I've done it before. So the first question is this, If I could write a letter to the 2009 version of myself, what would it say? So basically what you're going to do is grab a piece of paper or a journal and you're going to write a letter with advice to the version of yourself that is 10 years younger than you now. Basically, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago that's going to help you through this period? And what I like about this is the author actually is pretty funny is Obviously, in his version, he wasn't still a teenager. So he's like, you know, when you go to have your first tequila, don't have any more. Just trust me on that. A few things around college, how to cope, etc. So let me think about this because 10 years ago, I would have been 31 almost. And 2009, I was in Vancouver. And oh, wow, this was a big year because this was the year that I was in my first ever startup a tech startup, Connection Point Systems. We were about probably only three to four months in and I was diving deep into the world of entrepreneurship, having never been in it. So that was a pretty formative year for me. I learned how to be an entrepreneur. I learned how to raise finances. Wow. I was playing ultimate frisbee in Vancouver. I was flatting with some great people. I was learning a lot about the country, the city I was in. I was skiing. Oh man, so many things. But I was also starting to blog. Wow, that just circles back perfectly to content creation. I had a blog and I was starting to blog more consistently. And it was around the end of that year that I started realizing, I think I wanted to just turn this blog into my business, but that's a story for another day. So I would tell myself to not drink so much coffee, to not stop playing ultimate frisbee even though you're working like crazy because you're in the startup and you're hustling I would say it's good to hustle but life is short and you can't spend all of it working I think it would have given me more perspective if I'd had that advice back then but everything else was going pretty well that year probably that I should always believe in myself and then I have more skills experience and knowledge then I realize, and then I should put it into action, that I should trust in myself, that I should be using the fact that I'm a female founder in a tech company to my advantage, 
to not be intimidated by the lack of women in this area and to really use it to stand out and to make the most of it. And I probably will give myself some romance advice. So I will say, Natalie, don't be put off by the fact that Vancouverites are kind of flaky when you're wanting to go on dates with them or contact them. You will find some awesome men who are ready to man up, be a great friend and potentially an awesome partner. Don't be put off by the Pacific Coast attitude of being too chillax for their own good and just focus on enjoying yourself, going on dates with hot men and just being in the moment. I don't know why it feels so funny now because I think that's actually what I did, but I was just always just stupefied by (laughs) what is actually now sort of renowned as being this Vancouverite attitude that men have. There's also a lot more women in Vancouver than there are men, so slim pickings there. And so I think guys get to be a little bit more picky about that and maybe a little bit more casual because they have the choice. But I would give myself that romance advice. But the rest of the year was pretty damn good. I think it would just probably be to go easier on myself, not to take life too seriously. And as I said, to not work so hard and have more play. It's definitely a time where I had a little less balance. Okay, so that's what I'd say to myself from the future. I would love, love, love for you to let me know what you would say to yourself, even just a piece of it in the comments. So if you come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 004, you'll find the show notes, you'll find any links that I'm talking about here, you'll find my answers. And I'd love in the comments if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of that letter to yourself. The second question to ask yourself to unlock your potential is, if I could only accomplish one thing before I die, what would that be? This isn't two, three, or four things. This is one thing you want to achieve, accomplish, or experience more than anything else. And the reason for asking that question is that once you figure that out, maybe you've already figured it out, congrats, you will pursue that with every ounce of hustle you've got because life is just too precious for regret. Now, I'm pretty thankful that I've accomplished a lot of things that I really wanted to do in my life. I've done a lot of travel. Writing a book for me was a biggie, and now I've written two. I've created a six-figure business from scratch, which has been pretty epic. I've had the chance to speak TEDx. That was very important to me. I've had the chance to meet a lot of great people, to travel to some incredible countries. And now I've had the chance to be a puppy parent, which I take pretty seriously and freaking love the best role in the world and I also have the opportunity right now to be a triathlete and to really continue on that journey so that I can represent my country in the future or just become the best version of myself so there's a lot that I feel I've done over the years some crazy challenges and body sculpting and dragon boating and world record breaking and gold medals and frisbee it's been epic I think, though, I would really love to be a prolific author. I would like to be an author whose book has sold a million copies and touched the lives of a million plus people, even if that's a 10-year journey. I'd like to write a book that has massive lasting presence in life because I've been touched by so many books and I just think there's kind of no greater honor than writing something that resonates with so many people and makes a difference in their lives reading a great book right now actually called The Barefoot Investor by this awesome Australian guy who's freaking hilarious. And it's it's sold a million copies, but it's also been out for years. But more than that, you can tell 
by the feedback that he includes in his book and the case studies of people he's helped, that he's genuinely changing lives and making everyday people more financially astute. And I'm going to cover this on a future episode. Don't worry, because it's awesome. And I'm going to distill all the notes that I've been taking. But, you know, books just change lives and are written in such a way that they just spread and everybody talks about them. There's something really special about that because I think it means you've really mastered the craft of fantastic writing and empathy and compassion and also covering a topic that so many people are challenged by and need help with. So that'd be one thing I'd love to do before I die. And I'm not going to lie. I'd love to achieve a world record in something. That sounds so vague, doesn't it? We were so close to the dragon boating, but they wouldn't let us have it because we didn't meet their full requirements by not having a dragon boat head or tail. Otherwise, we smashed that record, dragon boating across the English Channel. So I feel like that one was was so close. And I think there's a variety of odd sports and activities that you can get world records in. But for some reason, I just think it'd be so epic to be calling yourself a world record holder. So what is it for you? What is one thing you want to accomplish before you die? What would that one thing be? All right, number three, what are the top three things that make me feel happy and fulfilled? So for me, I am absolutely at my happiest when I'm out in nature. I could spend all the time just wandering around our garden and just spotting new flowers and buds on trees and listening to the birds and looking at the grass and off into the distant hills. I mean, nature just brings me so much joy and it's free and it's worth protecting and it's worth nurturing and growing. And I really love here where we're at our house in in New Zealand, we're really aiming to be stewards of the land. And I, I love that. Josh was the person who said it to me and I really appreciated that. He's like, we're not planting trees for ourselves of this property to look great. Of course, we want to enjoy them, but we're planting trees because we're stewarding this land for the next generation of people who come to live here. And they'll do the same for their families and their children. And I really love that idea that we're stewards of the land. And so nature for me is really important. It brings me so much joy. It brings so much life to this world. And I just come alive in it. Another thing that makes me feel happy and fulfilled is hands down animals. I'm just such an animal lover. My dogs just light me up. I'm so surprised at how much joy they bring me. Giggles, laughter, love, cuddles, surprises, learning, patience, so much awareness around how they live their life, how they view the world, how everything is fun and venture and exciting and also chill and lovely and simple. So animals in general make me appreciate them and what they bring to this world. And the third thing that makes me happy and fulfilled is being in the company of fantastic friends and awesome people who just give me a fresh perspective on life, who challenge me, who make me laugh, who hold space for me, who make me appreciate and understand different perspectives and who just get me. Nothing better. Those be my top three things that make me feel happy and fulfilled. And the point of doing this is once you've figured out your top three things, and again, please put these in the comments. I would love to know them. Then you really should be building and scheduling around them for a happier existence. So I think I do a really good job of getting out in nature every single day. I'm, I'm with my puppies every single day. I should stop calling their puppies. They're a year old and two years old. So one of them is a puppy. And then being around great people is something that I'm actively working on this year. I have a lot of excellent, amazing 
wonderful friends in my life, but they're actually all over the world. And it makes me more conscious of stepping up and getting in contact with them and really reaching out to spend more time with them, whether that's a virtual Zoom call, a WhatsApp call, an in-person meeting, a weekend away, meeting them halfway around the world for some sort of adventure. It's just so important. All right, number four, what are the top three things that distract me? Okay, so the first thing that distracts me from enjoying my life is my own inner thoughts on days when it's a little bit more negative and you can't stop the chitter-chatter and you kind of get down on yourself or you get into this head game that doesn't serve you. That's not particularly helpful. That's quite distracting. And I'm really thrilled to say that I'm on day, gosh, 20 in a row of meditation and also yoga. And it's only 20 days, but just in general, making me much more aware of how I'm reacting to things and coming at it from a much more positive, calmer stance. On the whole, I'm an incredibly optimistic person, but I have noticed that my attitude and thoughts and beliefs have got the better of me a lot more in the past year than I thought. So they're the things that will distract me from enjoying my life. And I get to be the master of my own ship and control them back. A second thing that distracts me from enjoying my life is getting caught up in the mundane details of things that are not important. And I would say I'm probably not alone in that. So getting stuck in to-dos and things that I think are important when they're really not a priority at all. I noticed that even just this week, I noticed that even just last week, I put off doing some really important pieces of work because life admin got in the way and I, I put a whole lot of other things in front of me that were not my core needs and let them take away from doing the really important work and also experiencing more joy in my life. So some of them were necessary, but some of them I just kind of prioritized because I felt I needed to be responsible for them, like looking after our woofers, our dogs, organizing all these events and things that were happening rather than actually getting onto the things that I'd signaled in LifePilot as important. And the third thing that distracts me from enjoying my life would probably be negative people or getting caught up in other people's stuff, which on the whole, I thought I was pretty good at. But when it comes to sort of closer friends and family, I've been noticing recently that I care more than I'd like to about some of the stuff going on in their life. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to care about people you love and value, but you don't need to own their crap. You don't need to get caught up in some of the stories they're telling themselves. You get to be there for them. You get to support them, but you don't need to take that on. So those would be the three things. I'm curious to know what yours are. Number five, am I in control of my thoughts or am I at the mercy of them? Hmm, I think I kind of answered that above. On the whole, I do believe that I do a really good job of being super grateful every day. I'm incredibly present in the moment. I'm always looking at things that light me up. I get so much joy and pleasure and happiness from the simple things in life. I appreciate them. I talk about them. I thank them. I'm grateful for them. And then every so often, my goddamn mind goes to something that's just so unhelpful. And it's usually a belief or a thought or an idea that is not true and is not serving me. And it's typically around not being enough or having these ridiculously high expectations that I've held all my life and thinking that I'm not meeting them. And then other people will turn around and tell me something and I'm like, huh, I clearly am. I'm just too hard on myself. I was even looking back over some notes of some mentoring that I got years ago when I was in Vancouver 
And the first time ever I'd hired a coach, I had him for about five or six months and I haven't had one since. And he used to tell me that I was too hard on myself. And I was like, hmm, so right. So what's the verdict for you? Are you in control of your thoughts or are you at the mercy of them? I'd say it's probably a combo and we want it to really be that you are controlling your outlook on life. Number six is, am I in control of my eating decisions or am I at the mercy of them? Now, the reason for this question is that your thoughts influence your perception of reality, yet your eating decisions influence your mood and energy levels. Happy, healthy people consciously choose to eat foods that make them feel alert and focused and energetic. And we all know when we're unhappy and maybe unhealthy, we unconsciously allow our mood and social surroundings to dictate our eating decisions. It's kind of a spiral of badness, right? Like maybe you've had some pretty crappy food and then you decide to have a drink and then you decide to drink some more and then you decide to miss your workout the next day and then you feel sluggish and then you have a chocolate break at three and then you drink more coffee and it's all just like, ah, versus when you're feeling really good about yourself and you're getting fitter, you just ultimately start making better food choices because you want to fuel your body with the right things and then you work out more and then maybe you lay off drinking because it's actually not serving you and then you have better sleeps and you feel more energetic and it's this beautiful spiral upwards. And I am definitely experiencing that right now. And uh, it's fascinating because I've been keeping a food diary for about two weeks and I'm going to continue to do it. And also when I'm training and uh, I showed it to a nutritionist who I hired the other day just to help me with my training and fueling my body because I was hitting a bit of a wall this week. Turns out that I'm eating all the right things, being really healthy, but I'm just not eating them. I'm not eating enough and I'm not eating at the right times before a workout and post a workout. And uh, I really noticed it. And she was like, I'm not changing anything in your eating habits. I'm just getting you to get your timing better. So that felt really good that I'm eating all the right things right now. And I am really feeling good. And it's a beautiful spiral upwards. The fitter I get, the more training I do, the leaner I get, the more energy I typically get, the more I can handle the training load, the more focused I am, the more vibrant I am, the more disciplined I am around my work as well as my personal life. It's just had a massive knock-on effect to every area of my life. And I want to do a whole episode on that later. But So the question there is, when it comes to eating and fueling your body and viewing your body as a vessel, are you on the good side of that or are you on the not-so-good side of that? Be honest with yourself. Do you need to improve your relationship with food and love yourself more? Okay, number seven. What strengths did I use to achieve three major goals in my life? Okay, so think about three of the biggest achievements of your life. That could be when you graduated from college, might have been when you got a really big pay raise at work, might have been when you started your business and you never thought you would, might have been publishing a book, could have been winning a competition, might have been marrying or being in the relationship that you're in that was a big deal for you, getting your first house. Think about all the major goals. Then think about what were the personal strengths you used to achieve those things. Do you see any trends there? Because typically, if you do, that's the road that leads to success and it's right in front of you. So let me think about the three major goals in my life. Man, just three? Okay. Yeah. So I think poor buying my first house at quite a young age, I think it was around 21, was a pretty damn big deal. I'd always been really keen on real estate. I'd watched my parents do a very good job of buying these houses, doing them up, selling them taking that investment, putting in another, doing better each time and just building up capital that way and securing some financial stability for the family. And I also just was fascinated by 
property portfolios and real estate and how they were such a great investment if you bought right. So I was really proud of that because I think I looked at no less than 30 houses. I almost made an offer on a terrible house. I'm so glad I could back out of that. And I bought a house that just was stellar, did it up really well, sold it for a lot in a year. And it was just a big learning lesson in my life. So that was being like addicted to real estate and doing all my due diligence and going to every single open home and creating a little spreadsheet, I think I did, or at least a notebook of all the houses and all the things I wanted and a wish list and being really smart about what I could afford and what I couldn't. So I think all those things of kind of like creating a system, doing my due diligence, and then just finding the motivation to be consistent about looking was what got me a great buy. Another big major goal in my life would be starting my business. How did that come about? I used my strengths. I think I just backed myself. I believed in myself. I took a chance. I'm really good at taking big leaps and taking chances. Less so as I get older, I notice. But hey, so yeah, I took some chances. I thought, screw it. What's the worst that could happen? I could always go back to a job. And then I backed myself. I made things happen. And I took action every day, even when I had fears and doubts. And I just kept hustling and kept experimenting and kept staying passionate and curious. So those were some of the strengths that served me there. And then I think, yeah, I would say the third major goal was publishing my first book. Again, just major belief in finally having a story and a message to share a real desire to get that book out there, to go through the journey of writing it, publishing it, marketing it, and making a difference in people's lives. So again, I think just that discipline combined with the motivation and the pure desire to make a difference. So those would be the three major goals and the strengths that come with it. I think I do a pretty damn good job of using those now. I'm curious as to whether some of those being downplayed or not utilized to their best effect. I would love to know what your three major goals are in life that you're really proud of and also some of the strengths that you use to achieve those. And if you're having any aha moments right now, I'd also really like to know that. Okay, number eight is how can I use those strengths more often? So as I said, which of those strengths are lying dormant right now? Which of those are you underutilizing? Which of those have you like forgotten that you have? Is there anything you can think back to when you're a teenager or even younger or anything in your 20s, 30s, depending on where you're at in this world, 40s, 50s, 60s, that you are really not utilizing, that you're really good at, but you're not tapping into. So this is time for you to tap back into that potential. I would say a couple of things for me right now, probably speaking, not that it's the biggest strength, but I do think that it is something that really brings me to life and I can do a really good job of and touch a lot of people's lives in. I think there's a time to be speaking and there's a time not. And right now I'm in a rebuilding pattern and building a foundation and building up knowledge and learning, creating content and crafting and storytelling and understanding and anticipating and watching and observing and learning and all those good things. Another strength that I'm tapping into more now is coaching. So I've really been slowly focusing on getting clients again, bringing that in back as an arm that supports this business of content creation and just really enjoying diving deeper and learning more and adding more strings to the coaching bow, which I think is always a great thing to do. But I look forward to exercising those muscles even more and stretching myself more so that I can stretch my clients more. Okay, those are my examples. And then question nine, I'm going to change because I don't actually really like the one this person put forth. I think it was it was weird. And instead, I'm going to say, 
how do I want people to remember me? This question was to do with should you care about what other people think of you? But I really want to instead focus on how do you want people to remember you? So rather like question one, which was all about writing a letter to yourself when you were 10 years younger and what advice would you give? In this instance, my question to you is how do you want to be remembered? And you've probably seen examples or read articles where people have suggested that you write almost your own eulogy for your funeral of how people would remember you. And in many ways, it's a chance for you to step up and go, I want to be remembered for being compassionate, for being kind, for being motivating, for being inspiring, for being a little bit crazy, for being adventurous, and for being a lifelong learner, for somebody who loved deeply, who gave her all, and who genuinely tried to leave the world a better place. That'd be what I'd want in my eulogy. That's how I'd want people to remember me. And also that I love to freaking dance and sing and that everything should be celebrated with champagne. Yeah. How about you? And number 10, why do I exist? Oof. Not like that's a small, insignificant question, is it? It's a lot to wrap your head around. So Now that you've done quite a lot of thinking and answering of these other questions, hopefully this will come to light a little bit more. And ironically, this question was about giving a speech at your funeral. What would you want people to say? But I kind of like instead want to say, if you could write your own biography, which you obviously can do right now, but if you could write it for 10, 20, 30, depending on how old you are, 40, 50 years from now, what would your autobiography actually say about you. So if you could write your entire bio as if you're an author of a book, what would it say? For example, you know, are you a humanitarian? Did you win a Nobel Peace Prize? Uh, Did you invent something crazy? Or did you just live a really good, humble, purposeful life? You gave, you contributed, you educated, you learnt, you maybe raised some amazing kids, you lived a quiet yet peaceful, environmentally friendly, low carbon footprint and you always listened to people and saw their side of the story that would also be an absolutely beautiful reason as to why you exist so I would love for you to answer that question that's a little bit bigger I think for me I exist I really hope that I exist to be a shining example to others of living a very good fulfilling and purposeful life one where freedom adventure and being present in every single moment, trump everything else, and that any work that you do do is rewarding and purposeful and helps people immensely. I'm going to refine that a little bit more, but that's a really good start. So those are the 10 questions that you can ask yourself to unlock your potential. would love, love, love to know the answers. Head to nataliesisson.com forward slash 0044 transcript to this for my answers to this and for you to be able to leave yours for me to read if you've enjoyed this please consider subscribing in itunes it's just you know i see the results on pippa which is my platform where this podcast is hosted and itunes is the number one place that people are listening to this actually no 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 i am going to rectify that the number one player that people listen to this is in the apple podcast then it's overcast and itunes is third followed by Stitcher, and then the rest just kind of becomes a mishmash. If you want to know as well, iPhone is accounting for 77.3% of where people listen to this podcast. iPhone, iPad, minuscule, Mac, 
minuscule, Android minuscule, Windows even more minuscule. So basically, iPhone dominates. And then where in the world are you? Mainly in the United States. Thank you, US. Followed by good old New Zealand in there. Thank you, New Zealand. Then Australia, then United Kingdom, then Canada, Poland, Germany, Philippines, United Arab Emirates, and Japan round out the top 10. So that is pretty exciting. And one more thing. Thank you so much. In the last 30 days, this podcast has gone from lying dormant to over 10,000 downloads. So woohoo! thank you. If I had champagne, I would celebrate with it right now, but I don't. I'm being healthy. And uh, I'm just really thrilled at that. That's a 102% increase. And after lying dormant since May of last year, that is huge to me. That means the world to me. Thank you for tuning in to Untapped. Thank you for all the feedback that I've already been receiving about the first couple of episodes. Glad you enjoyed my interview with Sigrin. I look forward to chatting with you at the next episode. Every single week, you're going to get an episode, if not more. And we are going to be untapping our potential together. I'm Natalie Sisson. This has been my pleasure. I hope it's been pleasurable for you. Tune in for more goodness and subscribe to this podcast and whichever player you're listening to it so you will get it fresh the minute it comes out.